The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents The Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. It's said that Derek Greenway is a scientific genius. A man who was born and active before the war, before 2077, before the bombs dropped. A scientist who worked for Poseidon Energy, who we've come to understand was doing some shady things. And Derek discovered this too. He figured out that what they were all about, he didn't agree with. You see, Derek understood something that a lot of people, well, I don't think that they quite understood. You see, he could see how the world was moving forward, how we were quickly speeding to our own demise, how just the the inherent nature of our culture and the way that the individual nations were set up and just the nature of people in general was leading to this destructive behavior, to this conflict, to something that eventually would reach this peak height only to be released by the bombs themselves. You see, Greenway decided to leave Poseidon Energy, and he redesigned and started his own company. The end result was called Greenway Hydroponics. It had a turnip-headed stick man named Mr. Green as the logo, and in contrast with Poseidon, the company used Roman code names instead of Greek ones. The idea was they could build farming innovations to help the population survive. When the nursery project began, it was put up for bid, and they were leagues ahead of the competition. And so the United States government decided to go with them, and construction started. And it seems that Mr. Uh, Mr. Greenway must have had some clout in the U.S. political scene, let's say, because he was given the ability to devise Vault 29's experiment. And you see, the other thing that Mr. Greenway understood, beyond just the need for the ability to grow food, was that a culture that is stuck in a mindset of ultimate destruction that ultimately would lead to the destruction of the planet was not worth saving. If that culture persisted, even the survivors would be tainted with the inherent seeds of its own destruction. So Mr. Greenway came up with a, a new way to do things. His vault would be controlled by an artificial intelligence named Zax. But that wasn't the only unique thing about Vault 29. 
the biggest detail, and this is debated because there's two different explanations of what happens in Vault 29. There's the explanation that shows up in the Fallout Bible, which I mentioned on a previous show has different kinds of reasonings and explanations for things than some of the things that show up in the actual games. So in one sense, the vault was either, and I believe this was according to Fallout 1, designed only to allow 15-year-old children and younger into the vault, or two, and this is what shows up in the vault in the Fallout Bible, which may have been a redaction for some reason, but I'm sure both of them have a commonality, and that's what we'll we'll discuss. But the second idea is that the vault was designed only for very young children and very old parents. And in both cases, the idea is that children end up running the vault by about the age of 15. There's no more adults. And so the idea here is that if you get rid of the adults and you create an environment led by an AI that isn't going to influence the populace with human culture norms, then the children will be able to define their own culture. So you effectively have a reboot of society, not just in that you have new people growing up in a new place with different technology and different struggles, but you actually have a disconnect from, or at least this was the idea, that you actually have a disconnect from the previous culture, that it, it will not taint, it will not plant the seeds of that culture into the minds of the younger people, that those people will grow up in a society completely separate from that culture, create their own social norms, and therefore there is potential that maybe this new culture can survive. Maybe this new culture will be different. Now, things didn't completely go to plan. You see, Derek Greenway was working with Diana, a human brain connected to a powerful computer. And when Derek explained to Diana the idea behind this vault, he was very surprised that she was appalled by it. She didn't like the idea at all. Now... It makes sense, right? Like there are some moral implications of this. You would have to very specifically engineer this situation and it would be very dangerous for the children involved and the people involved in general. Plus you're messing with human lives. So it says here in the fandom.com fallout wiki that Diana was appalled at the idea. She said that although the idea had merit, she found it to be morally objectionable on several levels. She recommended that the plan be scrapped. Then, when Derek refused to do so, Diana took it upon herself to become involved with the project without his knowledge. And then, of course, we know what happens, right? The Great War starts and stops very quickly. The bombs drop. And when the Great War started and civilization began to fall apart, Diana appropriated control of a satellite dish and aimed it at Vault 29. She then transmitted a series of security codes to the vault's ZAX unit and gain control. So the vault at this point is no longer being run by a, uh, just a computer AI. This is a human brain in a machine that has previous understandings from the previous culture, right? Over the years that followed, Diana was able to see to the upbringing of the children. 
Every year she ordered a worker robot to leave the vault under the pretext of checking conditions outside. In reality, they were preparing the area, the village of twin mothers, to receive the vault population when they were ready to leave. Lastly, she had a series of projectors installed at strategic locations. And get this, they were going to project her chosen image. Finally, when the vault doors were open, the inhabitants found twin mothers built. Everything was coming together, and Diana was ready to play God. So, Fallout 1 mentions Vault 29, but you don't actually get to visit it. And the only other information we have is from the Fallout Bible about what it was supposed to be when it showed up in Van Buren, which was supposed to be Fallout 3. Now, the Fallout 3 we got, as I've mentioned before, isn't the same as Van Buren. It happened years later. It was created by Bethesda and uh, was you know a different group of individuals than the original Fallout 3 was going to be. But that never got off the ground. So... This is referred to as a thing, and it was meant to have happened. The idea of this vault was already in the minds of the creators when Fallout 1 came out. And I think it's an interesting idea. You can see that the architecture of these games and the idea of this world was already cemented so well in the very, very first game in the series that individuals in the world understood that there was something inherently wrong with society itself. And I think that's probably a common late 90s, early 2000s trope. You know, think back to things like the movies like The Matrix and and things like that. There's something inherent with humans that's just wrong and we need to fix it. We need to be different. We need to change. We're heading ourselves into this danger from our own advancement and, and technology. That seems to be a common trend. Now, Vault 29 eventually opened and founded the city of Twin Mothers. And Twin Mothers was based on this cult that Diana had created to worship her. And let's go into the idea of the word of the name, Diana. Diana comes from Roman mythology. Uh, Diana was the goddess of wild animals and the hunt. So it's an interesting disconnect here. You have, or I guess a progression, maybe you have the vault, which had uh, plenty of food because of Greenway's um, technological advances. We'll say that Uh, basically a garden. And then you have the goddess Diana taking control of that garden and leading the people out of it into the wilderness where they have to hunt to survive. I don't know if that was intentional, but my mind draws connections there. So what exactly was Twin Mothers? Well, it's more of a tribe than an individual city. It's a group of people located in Colorado. And according to the wiki, it says the Twin Mothers is one of many tribes in the Fallout world. The thing that sets them apart from other tribes is their culture and architecture. Culturally, the Twin Mothers are a matriarchal tribe who worship a goddess, the moon. And I guess Diana presented herself as the moon and a god, her consort, the sun. Women ruled the tribe and made all governing decisions. Men provided for the tribe by hunting, fishing, and tending the farms. 
architecturally, the twin mothers are based on the ancestral Puebloans of the West United States. The ancestral Puebloans are best known for their dwellings carved into the sides of cliffs. If you've seen these, look these pictures up online. Uh, It's beautiful and interesting. You have what is the equivalent of like multi-level apartment complexes built right into the sides of cliffs um, from a very early people group. Very, very cool. Their culture reached its peak in pottery, weaving, and architecture. The Twin Mothers are a gentle people who respect nature and life in all its forms. Unfortunately, these are not beliefs that are shared throughout the wasteland. As a result, the Twin Mothers are often the victims of raiders. During such times, they quickly retreat to their cliff dwelling, where they are more than capable of defending themselves and waiting out any attacks. However, their livestock and crops are usually ravaged before the aggressors move on. The Twin Mothers take such setbacks in stride, thanking their gods for what they have and not mourning mourning the loss of what they have not. When the Twin Mothers are encountered, they will be suffering from yet another series of ailments. Wasteland creatures have been raiding their fields and killing their livestock. A band of raiders has also settled nearby and are demanding tribute in the form of foodstuffs and livestock. So it's interesting the way that this progresses. They, they turn into a generally peaceful people who live off of the land and hunt and basically manage their own things differently than the rest of the wasteland. So in some ways, this does work. They tend to be more peaceful than the people groups out in the wasteland, the ones who carried forth the culture from the previous world the raiders and the other the other people of the wastes so maybe Derek greenway was right i don't know what do you think about it i can't imagine a situation where you have 15 year old kids and younger surviving well i suppose if you set them up well enough in a vault where they have enough food that society can move forward but when you think about the kind of mindset that we are in in our in our teenage years, uh, we, we are not programmed to make the best choices. And without guidance from our parents, I can imagine that that would very quickly descend into some, some sort of negative form. Uh, and maybe I'm just skeptical about the nature of humans in general. Or maybe I've uh, read too many books like, um, oh, what's the one with all the kids on the island? Uh, crap. I have a t-shirt of it, too. I can't think of the name of it. Um, where everything just goes terribly because the kids basically destroy each other. Now, maybe they do take care of each other and maybe, I guess it depends on the leadership that comes out from it. And then you have this idea of human beings are, we are at our most influential when we are young because we are naive and the world that is presented to us by our environment and by our parents is most likely going to be the world and our perception of reality moving forward. This is why some groups of individuals in our world, uh, people who are tend to be more atheist and agnostic, are very strongly against religion being taught to children. And if you are religious, that sounds backwards to you. Both sides sound backwards. You're like, wait, no, this is the thing I believe. This is the way the, way wor- the world works. My children need to know this. But if somebody from a counter per, counter perspective says, no, that's not the way the world works, the way wor- the world works is like this, none of what you believe is true, 
then the, then that becomes indoctrination because you're indoctrinating your children at a time in their lives with a worldview that may or may not be true. And you are not giving them the ability to get to the point in their lives where they can be educated enough and rational enough to actually study the different options and make a decision, a truly objective decision for themselves. So this is, this is a perspective that's put out there. This is something that exists in the world. Now, if you are very firmly set in your religious beliefs, then you would probably say, no, that's a terrible idea. They're more likely to fall away from the faith. We have to continue the faith by teaching our children. That's what our, our holy books say. That's, that's how traditionally we've done it. So you can see that there's two sides of the coin about when and how these things should work. So all of that said, if you have a group of individuals, children, 15 year old, years old and younger, and you present to them their leader who legitimately takes care of them through this AI who is basically their overseer and legitimately gives them everything they need and calls them, calls herself a goddess, then how do you deny that? All the evidence is there. It's both sides of the thing. It's one, something being indoctrinated into you at a young age, but two, all the evidence of the world that you live in seems to point to the case that this is actually true. So you believe what they say. They provide the food. They manage the society. Their will is done. They keep you safe. And as long as you continue to worship them and do what you're told, you are safe too. I don't know how you could not grow up in a society like that and come out the other side with some understanding and some perspective that that's just the way things are. That's just how it is. What do you think? Do you think you could grow up in that society and actually see the world as different than what you expected it to be? What about when you leave the vault? What about when that society moves forward out of the vault and has to settle the wasteland? And now you're moving to a place that's much more dangerous, that you are not guaranteed to have what you want and have your needs provided for you. You have to hunt, you have to plant. And regularly, these other people who are alien to you with technology that's alien to you are coming by and destroying your things. And you have to start from the ground up. And yeah, maybe you've got this great perspective that you're thankful for what you have and you start over again. But how long does that actually last? At what point do people start saying, well, how come you're not protecting us like you used to? Why is it different now? These are things that I wonder about in human nature in general is inherently our system is designed in a way where we stand on the shoulders of the people before us and the information we know is passed down from them. But more and more as our culture devises ways of sharing information separate from oral storytelling and from coming from the environment and the culture that we were already in, the more we gain this larger view of everything. And I think that that's healthy. I think it's a healthy thing to see the world from multiple perspectives. Think about it. When in, in ancient times, people learned to write things down and you could send a scroll and maybe only the wealthy could do this, but you could read things from somebody far away from a culture different than your own. 
And then you have the development of things like libraries, wealthy people or uh, governments would manage libraries full of documents from places far away about the way the world appears to them. And all of a sudden your perspective on the world gets bigger. You are breaking out of this little vault where you only have one perspective on the world and seeing many. And then the printing press comes about and ideas are able to flourish even faster. And then automation, industry, telephones, and then the internet. We live in a time for the first time ever where we can in fractions of a second view the world through the eyes of somebody very different from us living far away. I would argue that our culture isn't doomed, that it's not the culture's problem that we become volatile and warlike with each other. That is not society, that it's something inherent in being human. And I've mentioned this before, this idea of um, tribalism, where we only stick with the people who are similar to us and the people that we grow up with and we are comfortable with. And the more we're able to break that down, then maybe the one place for hope for a society moving to the future is to actively engage in reaching out to people different than us and learning the world from their perspective. Because ultimately, if something is the truth, and this is going back to philosophy and religion and this kind of stuff, if there is a capital T truth out there and we weigh all the options against each other on an equal footing, then wouldn't it stand to be that the most likely to stand out is the truth? The thing that rises to the top, the thing that actually matches the way the world actually is, the way the nature of reality actually is, that would rise to the top if given equal footing. But are there too many of us that are holding on to old ideas that are afraid to let go of? If we truly are trusting in a religious figure, a God of some sort or gods of some sort, and we think they are true and they are powerful and able to affect the world, then wouldn't it also follow that on equal footing that that belief would stand out? There are stories in religious texts about this, about heck there's stuff in the old Testament about your God and my God, and they contend with each other and which God is true. The God that is true will, will stand up and, and prove themselves. That's actually a biblical thing. I wonder it would, what would happen if we put everything on equal footing and everybody came into the situation without any preconceived notions or with an upbringing that was multicultural enough to consider everyone part of the tribe, what would happen? I don't know, just more, more things to think about. Stew on that for a little bit and let me know what you think. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example, 
Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash fallout lore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash fallout lore, expressvpn.com slash fallout lore to learn more. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? Hey Vault Dwellers, welcome to the show again. I am Tom or Robots, and thank you for tuning in this week. I hope that you take some of the ideas that I'm planting in these episodes and just use them to think outside of maybe the, the boundaries of your current thoughts. I'm not trying to press any one pers- uh, how do I say this? Pers- perspective, specific worldview on, on you. I'm not trying to say this is what I think is, is real and therefore you must believe it. What I'm trying to say is here's some thoughts you may not have considered. See what you think. And they could be wrong. They could totally be wrong. And I'm okay with that because in the future, I might change my perspectives too. So play with those ideas and see what you think about them. Um, This week uh, in the game, very exciting. There's the big, big update with the backpacks and the player vending and all that stuff. I have yet to jump in and try it out, but I'm looking forward to it. I think this this might actually be a way for me to catch up a little bit by buying some items from other players um, that I haven't been able to find in the world yet. So I'm looking forward to that in Fallout 76. And big news this week, we have a new patron, Nicole J., Thank you. Tier three pledge, which means that, Nicole, you will be able to shoot me a topic, something that you think I should go over in the show, and I will think about it. And if I can find a place to work it in, I will do so. So send me a note either on Twitter or on Patreon or on the Discord. You guys know how to get a hold of me or just email it to falloutlorecast.gmail.com. And let me know what you think. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our patrons who support the show. And here's some other big news. I am going to be upgrading the patron accounts with the ability to listen to episodes without any advertising. And I have to get this set up. I have to upload everything onto Patreon. I have to set up an RSS feed and I have to email or mail out to all the patrons uh, your own link so that you can set up your podcast reader to point to that link instead of the regular feed. Um, And once I do that, you'll be able to get all of the episodes without any advertising, because I figured if you're going to pay and support the show, then you shouldn't have to listen to ads. So big news, even if you subscribe at the $1 level, I will have that set up. And if you decide to do that today when you're listening to this and it's not quite set up yet, don't worry, I will get there. It, It just takes some time to upload everything and get it all set up on the Patreon. So Go check out the Patreon, see if any of the any of the tiers make sense to you. Tier one is $1 a month. That's like 25 cents or less an episode, depending on how many episodes I get out in a month. Um, I mean, that's it's like pocket change. So and I would highly, highly appreciate your support. $5 a month gets you into uh, the call out on the show where I 
call you out. Um, at $1 or $5 or more, you get into the patron only section of the Patreon of the, no, of the discord. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> Oh, words and brains. Um, and then there's $10, which allows you to ask a question that may or may not be able to be addressed on the show, but I will do my best to do so. And then there's more tiers up from there that just get crazy. So if you're into the show at all and you would like no ads, then consider going out, going, checking that out. Patreon.com slash Lorecast. And I've gotten some recent uh, notes from some of our tier three patrons about things that they have ideas for the show, which will be coming up. So if you and I have had a conversation about this, probably on the discord, which the links are in the show notes, um, then don't worry. I'm going to get there. I've got your, our conversation recorded. You've got some really cool ideas and I definitely want to get them on the show. It's just a matter of slotting them in at the right time. So thank you for that. Um, this actually does help me out because it, it, helps me understand what perspectives you guys want to see and what information you're most interested in. And chances are, if one of you is interested in it, then many of you are probably also interested in it and it'll be a good topic for the show. So that really does help me out. So thank you. Thank you for all of that. Um, if you are interested in supporting the show in any way beyond financial and through the Patreon, the biggest thing you can do biggest, biggest thing. And this actually came up in one of the reviews this week is sharing the show with a friend. Go tell your friends, find somebody else who's into the game and say, Hey, check out this show. I really like it. This guy's a goofball, but sometimes he has some really good information. Um, let them know what's going on with that. And other than that, reviewing the show on iTunes and leaving words means that I get to read it out on the show, which is super awesome. And I've got two new reviews in this week. First, we have Fallout Kids 17. <laughs> Good name. Great show. I love this show, man. I've started listening to this podcast since last week when I was at work just to pass the time. Now I'm completely caught up. Holy moly. And anxiously waiting for more. Well, guess what? You're getting a new episode. I told my friend about this podcast and now it's a topic of conversation every day. There you go right there. That is awesome. Double points for you review on iTunes and sharing with a friend. You get extra stars. Uh, keep up the good more, man. Good more. Good lore. Maybe. I don't know if that's typo, but whatever the more is, I will keep it up. Thank you so much. Fallout kid. I really do appreciate it. Then we have, uh, Aislinn, I think Aislinn one, or <laughs> let me start over. Aislinn nine one three. I hope I get that right. Robots with zeros. Very cool. And a Z. Whoa. I'm cool now. Uh, seriously knowledgeable robots does a great job with his research and honestly is just fun to listen to. Well, thank you so much. I may have to say that I find his quirks when he's going through the tidbits from fans, the most interesting as it shows he is a real person. Yeah. It's funny that my name's robots and yet I'm a real person. That's weird, huh? Or maybe I'm just programmed that way. Uh, <laughs> I have mad respect for the amount of effort, the information and passion that he puts into and so clearly given out from his podcast and fan base. Keep it up, Tom. Quickly becoming one of my favorite podcasts. Well, thank you, Aislinn. I really do appreciate that. And yes, I'm a real boy. And if you would like to interact more with this real boy, then check out the Discord because there have been some really great conversations in the Discord recently. Things like maybe setting up RPG, like role-playing Discord sessions. I don't know how that's going to work, but that came up recently. Uh, topics about what's going on in the games and how to, uh, Fallout 76, how to get the new quest for the backpack and all that kind of stuff. And I've also updated the 
Discord with a section labeled um, Robots Radio Show Hosts because I've been expanding the network. And so if any of the other show hosts happen to be on that happen to be in the network, they're going to show up in that section so that you know that they're available to chat with as well. So you can reach out to me. You can reach out to just other people in the discord. Some people seem to be creating some really neat dialogues and some friendships through here or other show hosts. So if you're listening to my show and some of their shows, you can jump in there and say hi to Duke who runs the out of the vault show, which is super good lately. I mean, it's always been good, but it, it just keeps getting better. They're going over the patch notes on out of the vault. Their uh, tune box was on there as a guest on the most recent episode and they are officially part of the network now. So that's super awesome. Or the hidden pixels podcast is now part of the network and they have a story from the fallout games. I think it's their very first episode and they will probably have more, but they also have other stories from, from games. And if you like some of the content in this show, that's a little bit more storytellery, then you're really going to enjoy that stuff too. So super cool stuff. I'm expanding the network out. I've put out some offers into some other shows that I think have some really good potential and are doing some really cool topics. And the idea is that I want this network to grow and be something that you guys will find value in and find other shows that are also interesting. And, you know, you don't have to listen to everything, of course, but if there is another show on the network, you're going to know that there's at least some level of quality, some level of interesting content there that you can associate with robots radio as a whole. Um, and if you haven't checked out the website, I've got the website up and there's links to the other shows and there's all sorts of fun stuff on there. It keeps growing. Uh, robotsradio.net is where you can go check that out. I'm pretty proud of it. This is the first time I've basically built my own site. I've, I work on sites for other people, but it's the first time I've really done my own site in WordPress as a platform for myself. So I keep on adding stuff. It keeps on growing. So it's pretty cool. All right. Enough of my rambling. Thank you again to everybody who supports the show. And if you are interested in any of the stuff I brought up and you forget what to do, then just rewind the podcast because magic, magic of Internet. All right. I did jazz hands there when I said that. I don't know if that's a thing. I'm in my room by myself here. Maybe I should video myself so you guys can see how ridiculous I am when I record the show. That would be nuts. Oh, also, speaking of video, um, there's episodes of this show up on YouTube as well. So if ever you're trying to share the show with somebody and you want to send them a quick link and you don't know how to get them to download this on their podcatcher, you can always just go to uh, Robots, look up Robots Radio on YouTube and you can find the first few episodes of the shows on there. So you can go check that out too. So, all right, enough of my rambling. Thank you guys for hanging out. And until next time, um... Be careful which gods you worship because they might be brains in machines. Is that a thing? That's going to be a thing someday, isn't it? Oh, man. All right. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon.